Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello, and welcome to this podcast. This is episode number 13. If you haven't heard my favorite episode on immunity to change, go listen to episode number 12. Today, we are going to talk about vitality with Liberto. Liberto has been the managing director in several big organizations. He has led international teams successfully. And recently, he made the shift in his career to bring collective effectiveness. Let's welcome Liberto. Thank you, Deepa. Happy to be with you today. Thanks for joining us. So tell us what is vitality, especially when it comes to work, because when we think about the word vitality, we think about health. Yes, immediately we go into health. However, when we look at the definition of vitality, we see that vitality is the capacity for survival or continuation of a meaningful and purposeful existence. And that includes organizations. More and more organizations are looking into the purpose they are serving. And to me, this means that for an organization to be vital, all its team members need to be feeling vital and feel engaged. So really, we can uh, bring more balance and vitality to organizations. And if I can expand on that, mm-hmm. nowadays, most organizations operate in contexts of extremely high complexity. Complexity is most likely one of those words that are often on the conversations. And complexity is that space where one can only realize the relationship between cause and effect in retrospect. Only then we can know why and what things were happening. So this is making decisions extremely challenging in a way. And then leading teams becomes really a mastery. And because the talent of everyone is needed, and for the talent of everyone to be on board, we need to look into the vitality of the organization and the vitality of the people. Because more and more, we cannot lead from that place of deep strategic planning, but rather being in the sensing mode to make sense of what's happening in our markets and then respond as effectively as possible in order to survive. And survival is vitality. For this response to the challenging environment, we really need to have an organization in which everyone feels vital and ready, engaged to to respond to what's coming. So how can any organization respond effectively to challenges coming from this complex context without all its members being engaged? And of course, this is challenging for many leaders because this means that we need to let go of control. And that might be scary for too many. Right. So what are three words that come to your mind when you think about vitality? Hmm. For vitality, community, teamwork, high effectiveness. That would be the three words that come right away. You know, these are notions sometimes we talk about, oh, there needs to be more communication. Oh, we need to be more highly effective. Oh, we need to work better, collaborate better as a team. Is there a way that you can actually measure vitality or how is vitality related to profitability in organizations? Vitality, you know, when you enter a company and 
you can pick up on small details to begin measuring vitality. And yes, we can measure it through other aspects, but in the very first person you meet when you enter a company, when I enter my customers, I like to look first into people's eyes and the people behavior and people words and how they move. And that's a huge indicator of the level of vitality in organizations. But beyond that, there are several aspects that bring more vitality because at the end, yes, profitability is very easy to measure. Mm -hmm. However, if we look into the last 100 years, maybe, we can see that we have been after profitability in a hard way, in a very focused way. However, the end result is low vitality in most organizations. Uh, there are many studies that talk about the level of engagement of people in organizations and globally, it's very, very low. About 83% of people go to work lacking engagement or full engagement. And this is a sense of the lack of, of vitality in organizations. So engagement level could be one of the ways to measure vitality as a way of, as opposed to measuring profitability. And yes, I know that uh, this paradigm of profitability has been very present in our operations. However, what are the side effects of this chasing of profitability? To me, measuring profitability is important and needed, but it's not enough. It's not enough for people to feel engaged. We need something more that I believe is vitality. I totally agree with you. I recently had a coaching client. He gave me a metaphor and he said, I feel like I'm going into a mine when I'm going to work. Yeah. What he related was in the olden days, going to the mine was dangerous physically. And today, organizations without human engagement have kind of become prisons where it is becoming a mine for our mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this famous quote of uh, thanks God is Friday <laughs> speaks uh, on its own. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God we have like five weeks of vacation in France. For those not living in France, well, move to a country where you have more vacations, especially when the engagement levels are low. Absolutely. How can an organization be effective if most of these team members go on, on Monday beginning to think already on Friday? Exactly. So we're talking a little bit more about what we discussed in our call before, developing humans and the human race so that we are all working together in cooperation towards a purpose. Yes, absolutely. You know, when we nowadays, we live in the paradigm of uh, human resources uh -huh. or organizational development and people, we humans are much more than resources. Actually, we are not resources. Each human is unique by definition. Each human brings something different. So what if we move from organizational development towards human development. Then, because it is human who develop organizations, so in order to develop our organizations, we need to focus on the development of the people who make part of the organization. And as Robert Keegan uh, speaks of in one of his books, creating organizations that are deliberately developmental organizations, mm -hmm. meaning that the focus of the organization is helping people grow and change and improve, which, by the way, is one of the main characteristics, main competencies of highly effective leaders, helping people grow, learn, and improve. So what if organizations actually existed to develop humans and the human race, and not that much about bottom line results? What if we come together in an organization to really deliver a, a high purpose 
through cooperation, through real cooperation and authentic relationships. Wow, that sounds really an ideal place for all of us to aim for. That's the gap that we need to work towards. On the other side of the spectrum, can you give an example when the level of vitality in a team is low? What does that look like? Yes, I was uh, a few weeks ago with a company that was amazing. They have been starting up a business over the last four years. And while they were starting up, you know, operating like in a garage with that mentality of uh, self-organization, people doing what they love to do, uh, going after their dreams, and bringing that purpose into motion and to, into manifestation. So to be able to deliver to the clients based on that purpose and organizing themselves and passionate. But then when they got to to raise more funds for the company, they were advised to go beyond the self-organizing garage way of doing things and move it more towards a more professional organization based on a hierarchy and hiring a CEO and a COO and a CFO. And that people were really struggling to let go of their vitality they were experiencing. And then the focus was more shifting into looking for profitability. That's one of the many examples that happen in, into companies, especially in startups, after many years of growing and changing until, until they face this challenge of scaling. And scaling doesn't need to mean that we need to let go of the vitality and the passion and the excitement and engagement in the organization. So that's something that for me is very, very key. And another symptom that you may easily identify in low vital organizations is when you hear and you pick in the conversation that place of them and us. When you feel like different departments are holding others as others, not as all of us. That's very, very, very high indicator of what really is going on in the companies. Anytime there is this debate, that space of conflict based on us and them, them and us, that's a big indicator of low vitality. Can you give another sign that we can identify when we see a company with low vitality? Well, using the paradigm of profitability, whenever a company finds hard to keep their profitability, when they have been chasing with their markets for a while, when you see their performance over time being quite flat and almost stagnant, yes, still delivering maybe 2%, 5% profit in the bottom line, but holding kind of the same results over a period of time, that's most likely an indicator of low vitality, of lacking of new creativity in the company. So profitability can also be an indicator of low vitality whenever it's flat or stagnant. I know you might have a solution to how to bring about more vitality. So what's your secret to bringing more vitality in organizations? It can sound a little bit uh, too simple. Uh -huh. Listening to people, gathering your people, having a conversation, listening to the questions people are asking themselves, questions that they might not be bringing to the mainstream of the conversation in the company, sitting in circles and then beginning that conversation about what are the questions that we are holding at this moment. And then identifying those questions openly and honestly is going to bring more tapping into more vitality because people, they are in the front line of businesses and they know what's going on and they know the challenges and they may even have solutions and ideas for how to overcome that situation. 
but they don't feel like they have been listened. It took me many years in my corporate uh, roles to discover was that myself being a managing director actually didn't need to have all the answers. That's a belief that was really constraining me, constraining my ability to lead teams until I realized that. So yeah, listening to people and opening up the conversation for what really matters to people. Because, you know, energy cannot be either created or destroyed, can only be transformed. So through the conversation with people, where the questions of the people are, it's an indicator of where the energy is and what's needed for more vitality. You pointed out to something very, very basic, which is before even going to a conversation, what is it that stops a leader from engaging in that kind of a dialogue with the people is really that assumption that I need to have the answers. I need yes. to be the one who's giving creative ideas in this organizations. And that is what happens when leaders say, oh, I have this brilliant idea. Let's roll out a change process. Let's have a communication. And typically those communications are very hop-down communications. And sometimes people ask the same questions repeatedly several times. They keep getting the same answers, but there is no real dialogue. So there are a lot of assumptions that leaders have around what is their posture from a position of hierarchy, how do they need to communicate with their people? And you're actually breaking that paradigm of how leaders communicate with their people. Absolutely. From my perspective, leaders need to learn to have the right to speak first. The belief that I need to be always right and have always the right answer. The belief that I have to make the final decision and also the belief that I need to control everything. That's impossible for a human being. And we get ourselves into that trap as leaders of organizations based on those beliefs which we get identified with. And that's actually limiting, very limiting. Instead of opening the space for us leaders to be more in developing others, more in being the holders of the purpose and vision of the organization, being the ones who connect the organization with the entire ecosystem we are part of and we serve, and also keep questioning ourselves, keep challenging the status quo and the organization, always based coming from a place of authenticity and integrity. That's to me very, very fundamental. And that's what makes leaders more effective, not only based on intuition, but also based on quite some good research by, done by many, many organizations. Excellent, thank you very much. So for listeners listening out there, I think one of the key messages that Liberto is passing on is, question where are you coming from, question your actions, become more conscious of what is driving your actions and what is driving your beliefs. Where is that belief coming from? That's the number one thing. And the second takeaway that I'm getting, Liberto, from you is have conversations, have dialogues. And as Marianne Williams says, she says, conversation is like a seed. You have a conversation. It's like you plant a seed in someone's thought process and you allow that thought to grow. And as you rightly pointed out, when you have a conversation, you direct an energy in a certain direction. So when certain conversations don't take place, we are actually deprived energy that can go in a certain direction. Absolutely. And something very simple that can be in service of real transformations in our organizations is shifting the language. If we keep using the same language we've been using for many years, we are going to have the same level of conversations. And if we have the same level of conversations, 
we are not opening the space for new ideas, for new creativity, for further innovation. So in order to go beyond the current status of the organization and go for transformation, we really need to bring a new language, a language that is more inclusive and is more expansive for us and for, for the teams we lead. Can you give an example of how can people have more inclusive and expansive conversations at work? First of all, it's a simple thing. Whenever you are in about to begin a meeting, take a minute of silence and do a check-in. Don't jump immediately into the topic of the meeting. Allow the people for a checking in and sharing where they are, how they feel. And that's a very, very beginning place and very simple thing to do in many cases. And also opening the space. And I understand because I've been there and in this space of stress and rush and huge to-do list and many topics, full agendas, we need to create a space for what matters most. The other day I was watching a video in which some statistics were pointing that over the next 40 years, we are going to spend about 10 years in front of a screen. What if we remove some of that time from the, of the screen to sit with people, real people, actual meetings, face-to-face, -face, where we can have this conversation? Connecting with what matters most to us, that's the key also. Because at the end of the day, we do what we do for something. Even if we have not articulated it, we do whatever we do, we do it for a reason. We do it for a purpose. And there's always something that we love so much that makes us work hard to make it happen. And sometimes we get lost in that. So this is the opportunity of reconnecting with purpose by asking the question, what am I doing this for? What is it that I love so much? that I'm ready to give myself fully into it. And then asking that question in a repetitive way, we are going to tap into something much, much more meaningful than just the bottom line. Thank you. You've been in organizations, you've been in those positions where you, know, you have to be in the action. You get into the meeting and you say, okay, what's the agenda? What's the goal? Where are we heading? And you know, the shift that you're asking leaders to make exactly is to stop yes. <laughs> because leaders are typically, we're action biased. You're actually telling them to take time, to breathe, to relax in a workspace and talk about how you feel. I know this is the work that you are doing. How long does it take to bring vitality in a team? Well, this uh, very question may have uh, many answers. Uh -huh. On the one hand, it can take years. On the other hand, it can take a second. A second is in the moment you make the decision to bring more vitality to your team and to yourself. From my experience in teams I've, we've worked for, with, if the intention is clear and you make the space and resources available with a clear focus, in a period between three and six months, you can force a high vitality in a team. And just by opening the space for authentic conversations, by listening to the questions people ask themselves and moving from them, you can foster a leap in vitality in a very, very short period of time. If the intention is clear and there is dedication and focus, that can very easily happening. Excellent. Thank you. Can you give one tip that someone can apply to have these kind of conversations to bring more vitality at work? First, the next day you are going to the office to your office, to your corporate building, 
enter with the intention of the observer, of the listener, and feel into how the people you meet as you cross the corridors of the company or you get the elevator or you go to the office, how you feel people are feeling in that moment. How their eyes show to you how full they are engaged in the operations, in the conversation of the company. And also then connecting with this space of conversation with your team. One simple thing that you can begin with, and we all realize and know that trust is the foundation for any team, high-performing team. Mm -hmm. Open the space, sit with your team, and open up a conversation about trust with simple questions. What is trust? What is trust for? How to use trust in an organization? And then share stories of trust in the company. Very simple. But trust, we all realize, we all know that that's the very key ingredient of any high-performing team. And we don't put time to share our perspective on trust. And it's not a conversation to convince each other about what trust is really is. It's opening up the conversation for expanding our understanding of what trust is. What is it? What is it for? How to use it? And then stories of trust. Only by opening this conversation up, this is going to bring much more vitality in your team. And then, as I said before, what am I doing this for? What am I really doing this for? Reconnecting with purpose. That's, to me, key in this process. And not only you, but inviting your team members to do the same in any moment. That would be my tip. Thank you very much for sharing. And for those of you listening, you know, it's a very simple tip. And Liberto's motto and his tagline is, in simplicity lies the answer to all complexity. And this podcast and this tip has been extremely simple. And yet at the same time, it answers a very complex question of how can we have more vitality in our organizations, in the way we interact with each other. Thank you very much, Liberto, for being here with us. And before we say goodbye, would you like to share one last message with the audience? Thank you, Deepa. Yes. You know, I didn't have the chance to experience much my grandparents. They died well before I could even have a relationship with them. But now that I'm a grandfather with, of three grandchildren, I look a lot to them. And when I look to the children... I see that they have a lot to teach us every time, especially when you hold them as grandchildren. So whenever you face a challenging time, one invitation for me would be to step into the perspective of the grandfather or grandmother and ask yourself, what would a grandfather or grandmother do in this situation? How would she or he face this? Then you will realize that when holding everything as a grandfather or grandmother, you realize that it's not about me or us. That is all about all of us. And as all of us doing no harm in your relationships or in, in life, is something that really matters. So think of uh, yourself as a grandfather or grandmother. And what would you do? That would be my message. Wow. I just feel very... Hmm. I have no words to explain. You have taken me to another level with your very simple answer. Thank you very much, Liberto, for being here with Thank us. Thank you, Deepa. 
big, big pleasure and uh, looking forward to being in service in the future. Thanks very much. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.